You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Episode of the Motor City Hypnotist Podcast. We're going to finish up with therapy Q&A. We good, Matt? Yeah, we're okay, good, okay. Man. Just sure. just... I was just I was just thinking a couple of episodes ago when I was I, I talked into the mic for like twenty seconds before these I knew buttons it was not get, on. These <laughs> buttons get smaller and smaller yes, as my vision gets I'm worse sure. and worse. Yeah. I'm sure. <laughs> so yes, we're gonna finish up on therapy Q and A. And again, stay tuned. We got a bunch of free stuff that we're giving away. <laughs> we'll be right there. Oh man. The, the fuck are <laughs> I you? No idea. <laughs> Get ready for the Motor City Hypnotist, David R. Wright, originating from the suburbs of Detroit, Michigan. He has hypnotized thousands of people from all over the United States. David R. Wright has been featured on news outlets all across the country and is the clinical director of an outpatient mental health and hypnosis clinic located just south of Detroit, where he helps people daily using the power of hypnosis. Welcome, the Motor City Hypnotist, David R. Wright. What is happening, people? This is David Wright, the Motor City Hypnotist. Great heavens. What kind of radio show is this? I I don't know. We're we're back with another episode of the Motor City Hypnotist Podcast. I'm trying. Yep. (laughs) Matt, that's Matt in the background there. Oh, man. You know, I'm still happy to be here. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, da, 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 like this in the background. What the fuck is it with you? Buttons, man. It's just buttons. awesome. It's awesome. So let me tell you, oh, well, just so you know where we're at. We're in the Podcast Detroit, Northville Studios. You for know, those of you live on Facebook, thanks for checking in. Yes. Uh, our, our, usual, our usual listener, Alan, is in the house. I know he was making tacos. He might have got pulled away. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, if you're on Facebook, uh, give us a shout. Uh, if you want to ask questions, because this is Therapy Q&A Part 2, mm-hmm. you can drop those in the comments, and I will address those as they come in. You teased a few questions. I, I I'm intrigued. Yes, it, it's very intriguing. Let me tell you where you can find me. My website is MotorCityHypnotist.com. Um, and just as a heads up, we I just revamped the website and it was just pub- republished or, or um, yeah, put online a couple of days ago. So um, as as anything, when you relaunch a website, you want to make sure there are no bugs or errors. But I've, I've kind of been going through that for the last two days and fixing a couple links that did links that did not work. So just in case you come across something that's not working for you, you can always just hit me up on social media and let me know. Uh, hopefully my my web designers got that covered. But check it out. It's a new look, all the same information. We just kind of revamped the website, gave it a different feel. Uh, it's all, all the good stuff is still there. You can find me on Facebook and YouTube at Motor City Hypnotist. And on Twitter and Instagram, both of those are Motor City Hypno. And if you'd like to contribute financially to the show... You can find me on Patreon. That is also Motor City Hypnotist. And again, anything that that you would like to donate, I would greatly appreciate it. Very, very minimal donations, nothing that's going to break the bank or anything. But uh, yeah, if you want to do that, I would appreciate it. And as we do on every episode, we're giving away giving away free stuff, a free hypnosis guide as we give away always. Uh, my download for MP3 hypnosis for confidence is still available, and I'll leave the link in the show notes for my private Facebook group, Empower Your Mind for Success. 
um, as I've, I've mentioned a couple of a uh, couple of episodes in a row, that that's a group where I'm. I'm um, it's just kind of a private group where we give support for either if you're an entrepreneur or an online business or even in your personal life, uh, just just uh, helping you to have a successful mindset um, and ensure that you will achieve the goals that you're trying to achieve. So it's a cool group. Uh, we got a lot of people in there, about 160 something right now. So look that look at that. And if you want to join, just give me a click on that link and I will let you in. All righty. It is time for our winner of the week. How winning is done. All right. So I, I, I looked at this. I found this article and I looked and looked. I don't know where it comes from, but um, it's English. So we know it's from somewhere that's English speaking. Okay. So this, this comes from December 12th. It was just about six days ago. Um, so long story short, uh, there was a kid in the neighborhood, a uh, 13-year-old, whose scooter was stolen. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, uh, the family had posted a thank you message on the social networking platform next door after an unknown neighbor replaced their child's stolen scooter <laughs> and left a note on their porch. The note read, Hey neighbor, I saw on next door that someone stole your scooter. Not cool. I remember when I was 13 and someone stole my bike and how sad I felt. That being said, I hope you enjoy this green scooter. 2020 has been crazy enough. I wasn't about to let someone steal your joy. Keep your head up, little man. And it signed your neighbor. It doesn't. It didn't have a name on it. Although I'm sure they know who the neighbor is. Right. Another secret Santa almost. Yeah, almost. Yeah. But it's a secret neighbor. Yeah. But not in a creepy way. No. What the, the fuck <laughs> are you doing? That's just awesome. You know, I love when people just see something and they've experienced something in the same realm. Yeah. I mean, and just, and honestly, just somebody outreach. gets something stolen from them. You know yeah. how violated you feel. It's yeah. just like, Oh, yeah. come on. Really? Yeah. Um, Is it really that important to take? No. Yeah. yeah. And, it, and it probably could have been a couple of punk kids who knows, but mm-hmm. still it's the point. It's this kid's thing was stolen and he was probably bummed out. Of course. Yeah. Uh, so the family, um, Responded in the story saying, my son couldn't have a bigger smile on his face this evening because of an unknown neighbor who left this on the porch. Mm. The parents shared in an update. Mm. This is pure kindness and such a beautiful way to pay it forward. My son wants to help someone else now also. Again, just planting the seed that will just go on. And and that's just paying it forward. You know, at that yep. young age too, he's just learning how to pay it forward. Yep. At that young Absolutely. age, that's going to last a lifetime. Yep, a and, lifetime. and that yeah. and you're right. That that simple gesture is going to last this kid a lifetime. Mm-hmm. So that's why anonymous neighbor, you're our winner of the week. That's how winning is done. You know, I kind of put those two winner of the weeks from our last two episodes together because we just talked about Mr. Rogers last winner of the week. Mm -hmm. And it just kind of fit in because it's another neighbor Mm -hmm. doing something nice for a neighbor. Wow. Yeah. Well done, sir. Absolutely. So back to it. So we are we are finishing up therapy question and answer time. All right, you um, you got you got lots of time. And and I did yep, we have lots of time and I did tease uh, a couple of, of, of 
I, I would say they're probably a little bit more juicier <laughs> subjects, you know. Intrigue. It's pretty cool, I guess. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it could be, yeah. <laughs> so we finished off last time. Do therapists really care about their clients? So we're going to go into that same vein. Okay. Here's a question that's come up. I, I Actually, I've seen this in different sites numerous times. Should therapists comfort crying clients? It's a really good question from as someone in, out there. As in a hug or – Well, and that's where the, that, that's where we have to define what comfort means. Right. That's, that's really the, the kind of catch or thing that we have to be careful about with this. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, Can I, mean, I try it really quick? Well, it depends. You might. <laughs> So yes, we I definitely as a therapist, I want to comfort somebody who's crying in my office. I know they're experiencing something. I know they're feeling that, that those feelings of whatever it is, grief or being upset or frustration mm. or sadness. I as a therapist, and 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 I and, and there's 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 a little bit of a gray line, and it's very small. I as a therapist do not have any physical contact with my clients. Mm. It's it's my personal rule it's not saying you can't have physical contact again that's that little gray area line of mm-hmm. course we all know inappropriate contact is never okay of course and, not. and that's right. unfortunately if you look back it's i'm sure it's happened with therapists and clients mm-hmm. which which you know that's just, that that just sucks it what? should never happen nope. but but that possibility is is exists and it has happened in the past so, so when I say comfort, yes, I want to comfort somebody who's upset and crying, but I, but I want to do it by, by being empathetic and being supportive verbally and, and even my nonverbal cues, even leaning in. But um, I, I, for me, I, I never I, – I just it, – it's just best not to cross that boundary of physical touch because hmm. even though a client may feel like they want that, I, I, for, in a therapy setting, I don't think that's appropriate. Now, I do know therapists that hug their clients, and I can't say that that's right or wrong mm-hmm. if, if it's sincere and it's not, you know, if it's a, it's a mutual interaction. Mm-hmm. For me, I, I don't, for me, I, that doesn't work for me as a therapist. And every, every therapist is different, and everyone's, I hate to say, great line right. is different as well. Right. But your personal preference is to no physical contact. Right. And and there are a lot of reasons for that. Not that I wouldn't want to comfort somebody with a hug, mm-hmm. but it it could be it, it it could just open up very different areas, which we'll get into with yes. some of our other questions. Yes, yes. You, you you get into this now. We have issues of transfers, transference, and countertransference. Mm-hmm. You, you know, if if the client might be comforted from the hug, but now they might feel like, oh, that was nice. I want more, mm-hmm. or something as simple as. Now they're, they, they thought they wanted or they felt, thought they were going to feel comforted. Now they feel like, ooh, that, that didn't feel good to me. Right. And now, now you have an issue with the therapeutic relationship. Right. Yeah. Hmm. So, yes, I, I think therapists should comfort clients, crying clients, in the best way for that client. Mm-hmm. I guess that's the best way to put it. Go back to Uncle Milty. Every, yeah, go every, back to, yeah, go back to Uncle Milty. Everybody's different. Yep, everybody's different. Mm-hmm. Or you can just, you know, berate them until they walk out and walk up and leave. <laughs> After being in a wheelchair for so long. Yes. God damn it. <laughs> right. Okay, this next question, and this 
this is a valid question because I'm sure some people don't understand understand licensure and how people and what's what's involved with requirements for being a therapist. This question is: What is the difference between a therapist and a life coach? Hmm. Long story short, therapists are licensed mental health professionals. Mm -hmm. Life coaches are not. <laughs> I mean, that really I'm, I'm putting it blunt, and I'm not saying a life coach can't be can't be helpful or or can't be something you could right. use. <laughs> I ain't listening to you no more. <laughs> right. <laughs> But but that 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 is the big difference. They're a coach. They're somebody who's going to encourage you to, to to challenge you to reach your goals and to give you. Um, I, I use let's use a sports analogy. Mm -hmm. It's like a football coach. Yeah, they get on your ass when you need it. Mm -hmm. You know they can they they say good job when you do good. Mm -hmm. They give you a structure to follow and and to get better. They help you train. Mm -hmm. That that's kind of what a what a life coach to me would be. Um, and, and, and there, just so you know, there is no licensing for life coaches. There, there's no right. requirements now, just like hypnotists, there's probably organizations that certify life coaches, mm. but that really doesn't mean anything without some overall, you know, governing body. Right. You need to have some not. pretty good organizational skills to be a life coach. Yeah. <laughs> well, and maybe somebody's looking for that. Yeah. I've had a lot of clients who have, who've seen me for therapy and they've addressed a lot of things, and, and I'm thinking of one in particular I had a few years ago, but she just couldn't get her house organized. Hmm. That was really a block for her, and we worked on it in therapy, and, and we had her we had her progressing to like, okay, I want you to just do, you know, get rid of three things before our next appointment. We would start small, right. and she would do that, but she still felt like she, she wanted more. She wanted somebody to be there and actually get her through it, hmm. which, of course, that's not my position as a therapist. Right. I, I, I mean – well, two words come to mind, label and maker. Right. Get a label, label maker. maker. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're yeah. organized right off the bat. Yeah, and just, just put put it on everything. <laughs> hey, that's a catchy tune. <laughs> Sorry, wrong drop. <laughs> I was trying for this Can one. Can I try it really yeah. quick? Yeah. yeah. Oh, it was so funny. I got a, This is a story from my teenage years. So we, we had a buddy that uh, – we would go over his house every so often, but we always used to want to go in the basement. And I'm not kidding. There was – his dad was one of these, like OCD. Just everything had to be picture perfect. But I swear to God, Matt, I, you, you wouldn't believe it if I told you. Well, and I'm going to tell I'm you. Waiting. Yes. Every single thing in the basement had a label on it. <laughs> like there's a wire running, and there's a sticker on it, white wire. There, there's there's a nail on the wall. Nail. Nail. <laughs> I swear to God, every single thing in the basement was labeled with a sticker. Oh, my goodness. It was, it was insane. And we used to laugh. We used to just go down there and laugh all the time. Look, I won't say it. <laughs> What's that labeled with? Oh, well. You have a brain like a chicken. Honestly. Well, maybe you need to know what that wire, that it was a wire. Well, yeah. White I can, wire. I, see, I can understand, you know. Wanting to you know put a label on a white wire, but what is that wire going to? Well, yeah, I mean, white I, wire. I, well, to... just like you, you label your fuse box. There's yeah. a reason for that, so you yeah. know what circuits go to what things. Yeah, yeah, and it's not just like a tangled. <laughs> right. <laughs> so yes, that's the difference between therapist and coach. Hmm. Um, th waiting. this is this is a very general one. Is is it 
okay to get my therapist a gift since we're right near Christmas time right now? Yes. And that, that question is a valid one that comes up and, and clients will even ask me. In general, I would say it depends on what the gift is. Right. I, if clients want to give me a Christmas card, I'm totally cool with that. Mm-hmm. Or maybe they write me a note mm-hmm. you know, saying, hey, uh, thanks for your help. Have a good holiday. Thanks for the th- thank you for being there for me and a nice yep. and a nice card. Absolutely, sure. I, I've had I've had clients that will like bring me in just a, like a, a little pack of cookies they made. Yeah, that's heartfelt. That, it's, that's that for me. I will I accept those kind of gifts. Now I don't accept money mm-hmm. or gift cards right. or or anything with a monetary value attached to it. And. And there's a reason for that because then we, without getting too deep into it and going down that rabbit hole, now, now there's like a, there's like a, a, a monetary system set up that's not part of the relationship. Right. And, and I don't say uh, there might be clients that might do this intentionally. They might do it unintentionally, but they feel like, well, I gave them a hundred dollar gift card and one of my, I didn't get anything from that back from them. <laughs> okay. But that could happen. It's a possibility. I mean, it's not likely. Um, so I think it's okay to get your therapist a gift as long as it's something that's very simple mm-hmm. or something that that comes from you and not something that that you've purchased. Mm-hmm. You put you uh, nothing of real monetary gift card, a, a card, a, a note, yeah. a, a handwritten letter, just right. expressing expressing. Or or, or maybe yeah. maybe you maybe you you do painting at home and you have yeah. this little paint little thing that you painted or a yeah. coaster or something. Bob you know? Ross helped you out somehow. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You yeah. got some happy something trees that now. you've done on your own that yeah. you just wanted to give. I think those are okay. Mm. How much does your therapist share about their own life? This is another question that comes up. That's actually an intriguing question because as somebody who may want to be looking to do therapy and they may not be yep. very comfortable with it, but you want to get to know who you are talking to. So mm-hmm. how much information should a therapist share back to connect with their client? That It's, it's a great question. And it, and it really is about creating openness and trust in a relationship. Now I can, for me as a therapist, like I, I don't ever share stories about Oh yeah, my my wife and I went to Meyer this weekend and we couldn't find fruit. Yeah, you know what? It's just that that's just not pertinent to that therapeutic relationship. Right. Now a a client might say to me, "Oh yeah, I you know, I uh I'm trying to think of something general that may happen. Oh yeah, you know, my my you know, I I had this big blow up with my dad and I feel bad about it. And I'm like, yeah, relationships with dads can be tough. I know. Or, or, or even better yet, when a client expresses a sadness about somebody passing away, like, Mm. oh, my, you know, my dad passed away last month. And I can say, yeah, that's really tough. You know, I know when my dad passed, that was a hard time for me. So I can relate it without, I'm just stating a fact, but I'm not going into details about my life in general. I'm just, I'm just making that connection. As far as we're shared, we have similar experiences. They're not alone in potentially what right. they're feeling. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Now, if you have a therapist that spends half of your session talking about themselves, that's a problem. Danger. Yes. <laughs> and definitely that's something you should address with that therapist because mm-hmm. that's, that is not okay. I'm not here I for you. I don't know what we're yelling about. <laughs> I'm not here for you, you. You're here for me. And you wouldn't believe how many therapists do that. That that there's a lot. I, over the years, I've seen a lot of therapists who really enjoy talking about themselves. Wow, not good. This is a good one. I like. Okay, this is, I think this is the one I was waiting for. Could be. 
How long will a therapist sit in silence with a client? Yeah, this is the one. Now, there's a, there's a, for, and I'll let you guys in. It's not a secret. It's just something that happens from time to time. Sometimes I will get a client who is, who, who will say is, let's say, I I don't know, non-compliant. And Mm. by non-compliant, I mean, like a lot of times we'll get clients that are court ordered because Mm. of like a DUI or, or a, or a, uh, some kind of legal issue. Mm. And they'll they'll come in, but they're not there of their own. Free they're not will? there of their own fruition. Yeah, okay. they're there because they're being forced to. Okay, I ain't listening to you no more. Right. And that's the attitude they have. It's yeah. that oh, I'm here. Well, I'm not going to say anything or do anything. I was told I had to be here. the The other the other population that tends to be that way is if 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 you have an adolescent or a teenager come mm-hmm. in and mm-hmm. they're because typically they're brought in by the parents mm-hmm. because Johnny's acting out, being an asshole. <laughs> do yeah. something right. So I, 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 and I'll tell you a distinct, I'll tell you a specific story. I was working with an adolescent, probably in the 13 year old range mm. and, uh, very defiant, like totally defiant at home, very rebellious, defiant. And, um, uh, you know, I, I always consult with, with the parents first. And then I see that the kid with by themselves. Mm. So I talk with the parents, we bring the kid in, it's me and the kid. And he sat there with his arms crossed and he said, I, I, I'm not going to talk because I don't want to talk. I'm like, that's cool. We don't have to talk. So, and that was all I said. Silence. And I, and every once in a while, I would just, I just take a glance at my watch to see about how long. Right. And after about 13 minutes, he's like, well, how long is this going to last? I mean, <laughs> yeah. And as soon as that started, now. The conference and, and by the end of the session, we we're having a conversation. Right, right. I'm telling you, people cannot stand silence. Yeah. It is so uncomfortable for them. <laughs> so for me as a therapist, sometimes I implement silence because I know that most people can't stay silent. But your nonverbal cues, looking at your watch, you know, you're, you, you and, and that's not in a disrespectful <laughs> no, way. No, not because, at all. Because for for those of you who are my clients or or who have a therapist. If you see your therapist looking at their watch, that shows that they're disinterested. Mm-hmm. So I would ne- I would never do that with with a client that I'm honestly saying yes. But yeah, it's the nonverbal cues. You know, you, you but with having, a, with a kid with a kid, absolutely, I can do that because I know that he's thinking the same thing, <laughs> right? And the fact that I know what time it is and he doesn't, that's great. Yeah. I love it. So so, uh, how long? For me, my record's probably thirteen minutes. Well, but. You know, if it's therapeutic to sit in silence for a half hour, mm-hmm. I, I could do that, mm-hmm. and I would not feel uncomfortable with it. But again, you, you the my my thought goes to every person is different, and absolutely. you have to take every session in a different way. Yep. So good on you. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Let Let's hit the big ones because I right. teased these, so I want to make sure we get with them. All right. And and these kind of all kind of go together. Uh, should you ever date a former therapist? Mm-hmm. Can a therapist fall in love with a client? Can clients be friends with former therapists? Is it normal to develop a crush on your therapist? Oh, wow. So, so a lot of these kind of go together. Mm-hmm. And believe it or not, uh, and you've probably seen news stories about this that these things have happened. It's happened with therapists. It's happened with doctors. It's happened with professors. Mm-hmm. These things happen. As a therapist, 
ethically and, and as part of our licensure, as part of our reapplying for licensure, we, there are a couple things that we have to have to uh, verify or confirm. We have to have continuing ed credits mm-hmm. that that happens every five years. We always have to sign a, a statement of ethics mm-hmm. that is that is and, and, and it's it's pretty similar, but each state has their own requirements for that. But they're all pretty much contain the same things, which is you shouldn't have a a relationship outside of the professional setting of therapy, mm-hmm. whether it's friendship. And really, honestly, it, it's it's as a therapist, I like my clients. I like a lot of my clients. Mm-hmm. I, I probably would hang out with them outside of work, but that's not our relationship. Right. And and you can't be a therapist and a friend because a therapist is not your friend. Sure. Even though that therapist may care about you, it, it's it's a it's a relationship where there's a professional and you're that's helping you, and and it can be very personal and very uh, intense. But but to to cross that boundaries into friendship, that then that relationship is not it doesn't work anymore. Hmm. So let's go further. Should you ever date a former therapist? Believe it or not. The code of ethics in many states, I know Michigan's, they're, they're, the disclaimer states something to the effect of you shall have no outside relationship with a client for at least and, – and I'm going to oh, – I'm going to guess on the years. Okay. It's two or three years following termination of treatment. Mm-hmm. So as far as the ethics board goes, they say if you can have a relationship somebody with someone, but it has to be at least two or three years after you terminate treatment. Okay. To me, even that, I for me personally, I don't think that's healthy because because you've set up a relationship beforehand where there's a professional and the client and and there's a, there, it's just it's not a it's not a typical romantic relationship where you would share things back and forth. Mm. I wouldn't be comfortable with that. Now, I can't say it can't work, but um, – and so so should you ever date a former therapist? It's a, it's a good question. I, I should say that if the therapist were ethical, it wouldn't be for at least a few years till after your treatment is done. Right. And that means not having contact for that time. Zero contact. Yes. Right. right. I, I mean, I suppose, let's say a hypothetical. Say you saw a therapist when you were 20 years old mm-hmm. and – you know, 20 years later, you happen to bump into them at a social event and you start talking. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. I could see that happening. Right. You know, um, but there's been that gap and it's, it's, it's not been a professional relationship for a long time. And then this falls into, okay, we talked about friends. Can the therapist fall in love with a client? They can. They probably shouldn't because it goes along the, the, the thing I was just saying. You're really once you once you have different feelings, it 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 affects the therapeutic relationship, and it's no longer professional. Mm. And this one, this came up quite a bit. Is it normal to develop a crush on your therapist? Now, let's define crush. Can you can you have like like um, an attraction to them, like 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 a crush? And I'm not saying like mm-hmm. you would be in love with them. But I think a crush in general is probably okay because listen, I, and I'll, I'll give you real life examples. I'm a male therapist. I'm in you know, I'm in my fifties. <laughs> uh, so when I when I see women clients, which which are the majority of my clients, because majority of clients are female, because a lot of men don't seek therapy. Mm. So if, so if I get a 
if I get a female in who's having issues with a husband who doesn't listen to her, who doesn't acknowledge her feelings, who doesn't um, comfort her when she's in a bad mood, now all of a sudden she's getting all of this. Even though I'm a therapist, I'm still giving her attention. I'm listening to what she's saying. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm interested in what she has to say. I want to help her feel better. So, so I could see how that could be like, wow, this is, I, this is what I want at home. Right. So, so a crush, I think, is, is, is probably normal. But if it goes beyond that, and I'll, I'll give you one more personal example. I had a client, I was probably out of school for two years. It was in the first couple of years I was practicing as a therapist. I was working at a clinic in Dearborn and I had a client and, and saw her probably three sessions, but I could tell there, there I, I could tell this was like, it, it would be like talking to somebody in a bar and they, and mm. that, that kind of that flirtiness, that, that, you know, you know, and, and I could tell she really wasn't opening up. So, so I, I, I'd focus that last session. I'm like, Hey, listen, we need to really focus on, on working on issues. And, mm-hmm. and I, I feel like this is just very superficial for you. Mm-hmm. So I kind of confronted her with that, not in a mean way. So she shows up probably a day later in our office holding an empty pill bottle. Yeah. And I'm like, well, what's going on with you? She goes, well, I just took all of these. Oh, wow. And I'm like, Ooh, it's definitely some, some, like feeling issues towards me that affected what she, and so of course she comes back to the person she wants to save her mm-hmm. and we had to call the ambulance and wow. had her, have her hospitalized that's and things great. like that. That's wild. And, and, and that's probably, that's a rare example that that's not very common, but, but it, it's as long as it's just a crush and there's not this unhealthy attachment, right? That's where it crosses the line. Okay. Yep. Man. I, I actually have I have more questions to do. We we might we might continue this for <laughs> part for, for another episode. Right. Yeah, let's do part three because I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven, eight more. Well, uh, you know, go ahead and tease those questions. Okay, let me throw let me throw a couple teases out for next time. Um, uh, <laughs> Pick and choose, man. Pick and how choose. Mu- how much contact with a therapist between sessions is normal? Oh. Um, should I text or email my, email my therapist? I actually know the answer to that one. Do therapists record sessions? Hmm. Um, how does a therapist foster dependency with a client? Hmm. Which should never happen. Right. Uh, which is more helpful, a therapist or a psychiatrist? Hmm. Is a therapist able to diagnose mental illness? Um, what, are, what personality traits make up a good therapist? Wow. Those are, those so yeah, are, those are all very intriguing. So there, so those are all good ones that we can address next time. And yeah, and I think we'll continue with this because I, I, I think this is good information for people to have, especially if they're considering seeing a therapist, mm-hmm. or even if they have one, they might not be happy with, or or maybe they don't think like they're progressing with. Right. And and I will hit on that, that next episode too. When when we answer these questions, what what you sh- what what should be your your. Re- what should you accomplish in your therapy sessions? Mm-hmm. Because if you don't know what that is, you're not going to know if you're making progress. Right. And that has to be clear, at the expectations between you and your therapist. Love it. All right, folks. We will see you next episode with Therapist Q&A Part 3. Who'd have thunk it? There's a yeah. lot. There's, you know, there's so it's many crazy. questions. I love it.
good <laughs> right? for you. Yeah, it is. It's awesome. Change your thinking. Change your life. Laugh hard. Run fast. Be kind. We will see you next time.